Good morning and welcome everybody. You are listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across the Faith FM network. Right across Australia, it is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. I was about to give you the date. But, but we can't been, give the date. No, because we don't know what day it is. But dude, we're just stuck is, in a moment that, in that time is, and we're is, really confused because this is the delayed show. I was going to say that is not because we don't have a calendar and not because we don't know how to read a calendar and not because our computer screen doesn't have the date on it. <laughs> it is because you're listening to the delayed broadcast and we don't know when it's going to arrive there. Mm. So if you're wondering why the news story is a little bit old, then this is the reason why. You need to get with the program and join us on the live show. How do we do that, Lawson? You get on your phone Mm -hmm. and then you go to the app store Yep. and you search up, tune in. And then you download it, and then you look up Faith FM, and then you oh, favorite when, when us. Oh, you, when you're downloading, when it, when you download, oh yeah, it, yeah, it, I it skipped asks a step. You, it asks you, it asks you, do you want a one month free trial? You say absolutely free, not, or, or a two month free trial. You don't do anything. You actually click the X in the corner. That all goes away, and you listen to it for free. Yeah, best yep. hack ever. And you can listen to us anywhere where you can get a cellular sing- signal. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's going to be epic. Or you can jump across to our website at faithfm.com.au and uh, listen to us anywhere around the world. Okay, so coming up in today's show, we have some amazing news that is going to share with us. Lawson is going to bring us the weekly fluff. Mm-hmm. Yes, a cat story. animals. Cat story coming up, amazing cat story coming up, and two cat stories coming up. Yeah, two cats, different kinds of cats, but cats nonetheless. Yes, and I've got a more serious story talking about Chinese-Vatican relations Mm -hmm. and the New World Order and Um, globalism. And all the epic, hectic stuff. We have, actually coming up in today's show, um, one of the most heavy um, interviews that we've ever done um, with James Miller who was abused by Catholic priests in, as we found out during the interview, in a school that you attended, Lawson. Yeah, well, it wasn't actually the school that I attended. but, no, but, the, but the, the same priest. Yeah, the same priest um, was a priest at my, my school. I'm a local boy from, from Newcastle here. Well, grew up in Lake Macquarie, and yeah. he was the, uh, the, the lead bishop at our school. So, so, so it's pretty so it was, crazy. It was, a, it, was a, it was a very heavy story before that, and when we started connected to those dots, it it, it really Dude, it really yeah. it was like wow, that's 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 heavy stuff. Okay, so that's coming up in the show, and of course we have Paul's shipwreck, and we're going to tell sailing stories all morning during Encounter with God, which is going to just be <laughs> amazing. So stay tuned. All that and more in today's show. That's the way to make the world a happy place. 
Starting off the day with some toe tappers. That was that was going hard. That was positively positively <laughs> different uh, start to the week. Awesome. Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 and 88. Or you can listen to us on the TuneIn app or at our web- website, faithfm.com.au. But now it is time for the first clue. Okay, the here it comes. The first clue for the first quiz right. of the week. All right, here we go. This is a who am I quiz. Mm-hmm. Who am I? And I suspect that a lot of people should get this really, really quickly. All right, get ready to call. 1-800-324-843 is the number. You can get a prize. You can get bragging rights. You can uh, get a warm, fuzzy feeling for answering the quiz. Yes, you can. All right, you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, so our first clue is, again, so who am I quiz? The first clue is, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, uh, the Bible says that I was deceived. You said that was an easy one. I have no idea who that is. What do you mean? What do you mean? Have you never read that book before? Of course I've read that book. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 2. 13 14. Well, at least it's an easy one because it gives you the reference. Yeah. Like, yeah. So there you go. Get your Bible out. Nah, there's, there's still, still double prizes available. Chapter because 2 verses 13 and 14. There was a lot of people deceived in the Bible and a lot of people deceived people that Paul wrote about. I'm just running through my whole list. I think I think I kind of have a one up because that's like one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and it's one that I have like half memorized. So like I know like that what's what's happening. So well, anyways, eh, that you know that's the power of um, reading the Bible. Now, Lawson, you said that you had a story about cats this morning. Yeah, yeah, and this is supposed to be 
positive. positive. Po- this positive. is positive. Uh, and I'm a dog person. You do yeah. know this, right? Yeah, I know how much you hate cats. Like, <laughs> no. like we're friends. I, I know. I know who you are. <laughs> um, All right. But trust me, you'll be you'll be pretty you'll be pretty stoked on this sto- story. Okay, I just want to ask you though before we start. Yeah. What's like the like the most crazy thing you've ever experienced? Like the dog pull in. Or the, the animal, different bird, whatever it is. Like the most crazy thing I've ever experienced of, of a dog or, 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 an, or an animal, animal like, animal like bring home. Oh, bring home. Like like bring home or pull in or, or whatever it may be. Well, our dog randomly, whenever he gets out, if we leave the gate open, he loves to get out and bring home um, pieces, various pieces of kangaroo that he finds on the road. Oh, and uh, that's gross he thinks they're the greatest <laughs> things and and you walk out in the yard it's like what wow, stinks and he's there just with the biggest smile on his face and of course <laughs> the other thing is that when he finds them he loves to go and roll in the carcass and just rub it all over himself and you go to pat him and he's just like what is that on your fur what is that <laughs> and he's like oh, this is so great Let's smell me oh, it's like I, I smell like food <laughs> and it's just so disgusting. incredibly <laughs> disgusting and beyond imagination well check this out um, a Bristol resident um, woke up on Monday morning to find that his cat had discovered a plastic bag full of class A substances during the night and had pulled them in and like left it in its bed. So basically the, the cat found a big bag of drugs in the street. Oh, we have we have Oh, um, yeah, we got somebody calling in for the quiz and we got to, and, and we got to try and figure out what the answer is. Yeah. But, um, our producer has to try and figure out what the cancer what the what the answer is. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So this big bag of drugs. Yeah. Like a commercial quantity of drugs? Like like a Pretty sizable bag of like oh, yeah, that's illegal a, that's drugs. That's a commercial that's, quantity of drugs. That that is that. <laughs> what do you do when you get a bag of drugs when your cat drags in something like that? You call up the police <laughs> and the and the police are like, yeah, right. The yeah, cat, I think the it, cat dragged the that cat in. Drags yep. <laughs> if you're a police officer this morning and you're listening to the show, we want to know what would you do if somebody called you up and said, "Yeah, my cat dragged in all these drugs," or if you're in somebody's house and you found a stash of drugs like this. And the person's excuse was, oh, the cat dragged you. What would you say at that particular point? What would you do? Oh, we would love to know. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number. Well, um, uh, yeah, in this story, um, this guy who was immediately like stunned, you know, at this discovery that, oh, my cat found a big bag of drugs. Um, but then he immediately called the Ashley uh, police team. Um, the two the officers later posted a photo of the bag on Twitter with praise for the feline crime fighter. Look what the cat dragged in. That's what they that's what they, they tagged <laughs> they should, the photo. They should have they should have put it in the lost and found. <laughs> you know, they put it in the lost and found department. If you're missing a big bag of drugs, we have it. Come and get them. <laughs> See how many people turn up to try and claim them. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is awesome because um, you know, like, because then it just started this big like sort of banter on on social medias, and the uh, the Avon and Somerset Police Department started jokingly, you know, commenting on the photo, like, forget police dogs, we should start training up cats because obviously they're doing a good job without the training, so <laughs> we just need to get the cats cats in there and i'm a cat person like i think i'm both i'm a, I'm a dog okay, person okay. We're, and we're, i like we're, cats we're, we're no longer friends 
Ooh, ouch. <laughs> no, you heard no, it no. here first on Faith <laughs> FM. It's, you know, it's all right. My feelings okay. aren't hurt. <laughs> I only have two left and there goes one of them. So nah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, so, yeah. Okay. So, you're a cat person. So, you think this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. I'm like, dude, because like I had my cat, I would consider my cat to be a jungle cat because mm-hmm. I lived on like four acres growing up and mm-hmm. the cat just lived outside most of the time and mm-hmm. it would like, you know, we'd feed and, it. And, and preyed on native animals. Yeah, and it would, but it would just get its own food. One time we lost the cat for six weeks and then it just rocked up and it was fine. I'm like, oh, sweet. So, mm-hmm. I love uh, the cat still. Once we lost our dog for 48 hours and when he turned back up again. He was standing outside the gate whining and howling and lost and lonely and like <laughs> super, super cut that he was missing us for 48 hours. <laughs> and your cat just walks in like, yeah, yeah I've just... It's like, oh, hey, guys. I was just away for I'm a back. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Man, but um, now that cat's like, it's, it's getting up there in age. I think it's like, you know, like, what would it be? I remember getting the cat when I was six, so it'd be... No, six or eight. Okay, so it'd be it's like there. 14, 15, something. Yep. It's, oh, it's a, it's a woman cat. But okay. now, like, so we're growing up, it was like a jungle it's a cat. It's a woman cat. Okay, it's, uh, a female, it's a female it's cat. A female it's cat. a woman cat. <laughs> it's a female cat. Uh, but growing up, it's it was a- uh, morning. We can forgive you for this. <laughs> growing up, it was like a super strong cat, but now it just chills out and we just pat it and feed it and stuff. Man, what is it with this quiz? Am I the only one on the planet that doesn't know what this quiz is? Well, I mean, we've got phone calls coming through. We've got text messages coming through. Um, everybody's just snavelling it up. It's like the hardest clue has a Bible verse for it. That's what it is. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway. Michael has texted in with the correct answer, and the correct answer is Eve. Yes, it is. There well, you Eve it, was deceived. Yeah. It gets pretty, like, pretty straightforward. Like the next clue is literally I hid from God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then the next clue after. Oh, and both. Okay. So we've got, we've got, we've had two right answers come in already. Yeah. Oh, two prizes. Oh, two prizes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, producer is, they, the, yeah producer is signal, signaling to us through the window. And the we, liar wasn't okay. smart enough to get the uh, to get the quiz. Double prize. Um, yes, double prize to Michael. Congratulations. Yeah. It's coming your way. Awesome. But continuing on, we have more animal news. Okay. This is this is this story. Is this is awesome. your weekly fluff today. Yeah. <laughs> one, one usually does our weekly fluff, so it's good to have uh, a continuation of weekly fluff on the breakfast show. Awesome. But um. Perth Zoo's stolen baby meerkat is on the way back to its mum in the zoo. Someone stole a meerkat. So, yeah, someone I stole can actually understand that because that is zoo. a cat I would own. Yeah? Meerkats are so cool. Yeah? They are awesome. You love I them? love meerkats. Dude, just, like, and they hilarious. look funny and they're they cute. They are hilarious. But yeah, this is crazy. So a four-week-old meerkat stolen from the Perth Zoo has been returned to its carers after being found in a house in Western Australia. Man, this is awesome. Zoo staff noticed the baby meerkat was missing from its enclosure on Wednesday afternoon, less than 24 hours before an event to introduce the animal to the public. Oops. Staff were unsure whether the meerkat had been stolen or taken by a predatory bird. A WA police have confirmed it was stolen and said it was found in Beverly, a small town about 130 kilometers southeast of Perth. Um, so this is just like that would be a, a pretty cool and random pet to have. <laughs> but it, it, it's like, what's the point of having a cool and random pet like a meerkat and not being able to tell anyone about it? Yeah, because as soon as you tell someone, it's like, yeah, but knock, knock on the door, <laughs> we want our meerkat back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, it's going to be pretty obvious where that thing came from. Yeah, but um, dude, like you said, oh, like I had a regular cat and it was pretty good, but a meerkat, 
Like they just that like all the funniest videos on YouTube are occupied by meerkats. <laughs> like all like yes, meerkats. I know there's good cat videos out there with cucumbers and so forth. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's actually I don't know if this would be classed as animal abuse, but probably the funniest thing I've ever seen is someone put tape on a cat's back. Because they think they're like crawling under something And then they start going crazy But if you have any amazing cat stories Call us up on uh, 1-800-324-843 This is now Ryan Stevenson With No Matter What A lot of us grew up believing At any moment we could lose it all And at the drop of a hat God might turn his back and move on A lot of us feel like we blew it Thinking that we're just too far gone But I want you to know There's still hope for you now
You're listening to Ryan Stevenson there with No Matter What here on Faith FM and uh, I was about to head to the next clue for the quiz and is just gone. Maybe we should do another quiz. Maybe we should. Ooh. That's that, that, that would that would that would mess up our system. So yeah, maybe better not, better not. <clears throat> maybe not. We'll, we'll just leave it. We'll yeah, leave it we'll leave today. it for now. It'll, but congratulations it'll, to it'll Michael. Con- it'll confuse. It'll confuse Mon. Yeah, we don't want it to confuse. No, we yeah. don't. We, we don't want to do that. Don't worry, your little herd, Monica. We'll uh, we'll, we'll stay with our instructions. Do what we're told while you're in Germany uh, and Czech Republic and Poland and wherever else she's going. All while those she's places. Over there. Yeah, all, all those European places. places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so in the news, uh, Vatican China have just um, the Vatican and China have just created a new deal. Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's a major backdown by the Vatican um, over the appointment of Chinese bishops, wow. and so uh, around the world, the Vatican government maintains that they hold the right to appoint bishops, and China maintains that because the Vatican is a Country mm-hmm. rather than just a church, that then that that no country can appoint officials in their country because oh, wow. they yeah. are their own sovereign country, mm-hmm. which actually makes sense. Yeah, you know, if it was a church, if it was just a church, that's fine. Um, but you know, not that China's too happy about that kind of thing either. But their argument with the Vatican is no, the Vatican is a state, and you can't have another state that appoints. Um, officials that are not connected to the Chinese state within mm. China. You can't, ha- you know, you can't. They, they, they're, they're basically saying yes. These are political representatives. They're representatives of a foreign government. They're representatives of, for, of a foreign state. Uh, therefore, you know that foreign state can't go appointing those particular bishops. And so then the Chinese, of course, taken it upon themselves to appoint bishops to serve in the in the uh, Roman Catholic Church in China, which have never been recognised by the Vatican in the past. And so you've got this conflict between the two. What that results in is an underground church. Now, this is mm-hmm. not unusual because, you know, China kind of does this with most religions. They have a more powerful argument with the Vatican because the Vatican is a state rather than just a church. Yeah. So it's not unusual for China to appoint, you know, clergy on behalf of other religions. Uh, well, this is since 1982, of course, when there was a certain amount of religious liberty and religious freedom that you know began for the first time since the introduction of communism. Um, but what is interesting about this is that the Vatican has backed down and struck an agreement whereby they will negotiate with the Chinese government every time they want to appoint a bishop. So they've accepted the seven bishops that uh, the Catholic Church has already, sorry, that the Chinese government has already appointed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have uh, the whole, yeah, the whole underground church is another story. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We'll come to that. What it does is it gives the Vatican negotiating power within China that they did not have before. Mm-hmm. So diplomatic relations were broken off with China about 70 years ago, and this restores that, so it actually gives greater influence uh, to the Vatican to be able to influence Chinese or at least to, to, to negotiate and to uh, and to have a level of influence where in the past they've had no level of influence. Yeah. Now, of course, the Roman Catholic Church in China, like every other Christian church, has basically two levels of um, church. Mm-hmm. So you've got the state church, which has the state-appointed clergy. Yeah. And then you have the underground church, which has the calling-appointed clergy. In other words, these are people who have, a res- have received a spiritual calling. This comes at a time when 
China is cracking down majorly on religion in China. And at the same time, of course, Christianity is exploding in that country, mm. just literally exploding. And so you've got the, you've got these two churches, like any church, you know, Seventh Day Adventist Church, Roman Catholic Church, any other church that uh, exists in China, will have two you know two different portions to it. You've got the official state recognised with state appointed clergy, and then you've got the whole underground movement, which tends to be a lot more um, of your experiential religion people who uh, really have a connection with God. They are prepared to suffer. They are prepared to die for Jesus Christ. Mm. When I was a student studying in the United States in the early 90s. I had a friend who was Chinese. In fact, he was in the room directly above my room and sometimes, and and this was back in the days before mobile phones and I was the assistant dean. So the dormitory phone was um, in my room. Yeah. um, Which was great except for when he would get phone calls from China. And these phone calls (laughs) would come through from China and there'd be all this Chinese on the other end of the phone like, yeah, just hang on, let me go get David for you. Yeah, and of course yeah. he, he was Chinese, so I go and get him and <coughs> pass the phone out the door, kind of thing. Um, and he'd, you know, three in the morning, be rattling on and on and on and on. I never forget one time he, he's like he had this whole mission. He used to do regular mission tours mm-hmm. over there. He had this whole tour set up, and uh, he came and told me about it afterwards. And he's like, the whole tour fell through because the leaders of every single, um, you know, underground church that he had, where he was planning to go and visit had all been arrested. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. That's And then crazy. another time he was over there and every single home church that he went to, the police were like one step behind him the whole time. He was on yeah. the move every day. You know, he'd go to a home church. They would they would arrive they at, at, at odd hours. They would sit on the floor because they'd take all the furniture out of the room mm-hmm. so that they could fit. They would jam in. They would sit on the floor. And he would literally teach the Bible all day long, from dawn till dusk, and then into you know until midnight. They would soak it up so much. Um, they would be just you know just tears of joy, and then he'd move on, and half of them would get arrested the next day wow. because you know. And you sort of you just you know this is this is this is our time right now. Yeah, these are things that are happening right now, and uh, and, and we need to be aware of that. You know, in uh, other parts of the world. Um, there's a major crackdown. Of course, this is also being driven by the Chinese social credit system. Yeah. If you're involved in a a church in China, you're, that's going to – or a religion in China, it significantly lowers your social credit. Wow. So that you can no longer travel on public transport. You can't uh, – um, you can't get you know bank loans. You can't you know. There's, 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 if you're like involved with a religion, yeah, and particularly an underground religion, this is this is a system that they're setting up, which is um, they've they've set up I think 200 million cameras so far, yeah, which is integrated with your social media, which is integrated with your you know bank statements and financial records and everything else, and they know exactly what you're buying in the supermarket. You mm. know, if you're buying healthy food, your social credit goes up. If you're buying unhealthy food, it goes down. Yeah. But if you're involved in a religion, it goes way down. If you're involved in a home church, now they can just go bang and you're done. They have the mechanism to be able to shut down. Dude. And it would be such an want. incentive for people to like rat out other people. and. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's always existed in, in, in communism and persecuted areas. Um, and, of course, you know, Cardinal Zen from Hong Kong, his big question is, okay, the Vatican's gone in there and recognized these bishops and established diplomatic China uh, ties with China. 
But what kind of a message does that say to all of the bishops and priests that are currently in prison for being a part of the underground church? Yeah, well, you know, they're just left there to rot while you know. And so he's asking some major, some serious questions there. Um, you know, Chinese Christians that have been jailed for decades, and uh, yeah, he's he's got some important questions to to answer. But of course, um, yeah, in, in China they've just uh, they've cracked down on Islam. Um, they've cracked down on uh, Buddhism. The Tibetan children have been taken from Buddhist schools and placed in the secular system. They have a five-year plan to reverse religious freedom that was first given back in 1982. Wow. Um, and, of course, uh, thousands of home churches are being shut down. And yet, in the middle of all that, the good news is that Christianity is absolutely exploding, which just goes to show. You persecute Christianity, sometimes it's the best thing you could do. And mm. I wonder what... Would happen here in Australia if we introduced a bit of persecution into this country. <laughs> I think it would purify our church, don't you? Yeah, for sure.
victory is sure The battle is the Lord's We fight beside the Lord of love And the Lord he fights for Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. Our guest today is James Miller, author of the book The Priests, which was published in 2016. James is a child sexual abuse survivor from the Newcastle Hunter region, and his book documents his personal experience of being abused at the hands of religious clergy. He's made some uh, rather controversial calls, including for the abolition of celibacy in the Roman Catholic Church, which he sees as being one of the core issues for the Church to address. And most recently, he was issued an official apology for the the Roman Catholic Church uh, many decades, of course, after the events took place. James, welcome to the show. Hi, Lyle. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, great to have you on here. And this is, uh, you know, this is a really important story that we want to highlight because, you know, as you've mentioned, where this story really starts, I guess you're 15 years old and you're sent to, uh, was it Pius X um, school run by the Maitland Diocese? Um, maybe just briefly tell us how you ended up at that school and, and, and start the story off there. I was um, a student at. Um Belmont High School, which is a public school um, just south of Newcastle, and um, um, I wasn't doing too well, so my parents decided they would send me off into the Catholic system for a better education and a bit more discipline, to be quite frank. Um, and so I joined St. Pius X in what is now Year 10, and that was in the year 1978. Um, and unfortunately, uh, by around about Easter of that first year at the school, um, the abuse commenced and it was the hands of the principal, um, Reverend uh, Tom Brennan of the Maitland Newcastle Diocese. Um, that carried on, on and off throughout the rest of the year of 1978. Early in 1979, I raised it with the senior priest of the school, Father Helferty, um, and was told to not tell lies and if I repeated it, I'd be expelled from the school. Um, and then events continued on um, after that. Um, the issue came back to Trouble me for over 30 years because as bad luck would have it, I ended up marrying into the family of, uh, um, Father Brennan. Um, and then in late 2012, after the, uh, the psychological damage caused by, um, the initial abuse and the pressure over the years got too much, I decided I'd seek justice against the church. And, uh, I commenced that process by, writing a statement which became the book, The Priests, um, and then ultimately in June this year, um, the case against the church was settled at a mediation. Um, and the apology that you've referred to was agreed to at that mediation and um, it was published yesterday in the Newcastle Herald. So for me, that sort of closes that chapter and um, I'm grateful for the apology and mm. uh, I'm happy to put it behind me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and and we're happy that you're able to talk about it. Just just going back all those years to uh, the late 1970s, there. Just um, maybe you could just share with us how was it that the that the priests, um, you know, Father Brennan was able to to gain access. Really, that's one of the key issues with child abuse. Is of course is access, and and how was how did this take place um, with the school you were attending there? 
Well, the abuse occurred in uh, my home room. I was in year 10, in the year 10B class, as it was called back then. Um, and I would be summoned to that room. Uh, once inside the room with the door locked, which is what happened, um, no one could see from the outside what was happening. Um, and it was in that place that the abuse occurred on four, four separate occasions. Uh, he was the principal of the school, 1978, a 15-year-old boy. Um, if the principal demands your attendance um, at any time, any place, um, you go along. Uh, I was pretty intimidated and shocked when it all started um, and a bit confused. Um, I tried to deal with it on my own. I uh, was not able to do so. Um, and as I say, at the end of the day, I came back at the beginning of year 11, spoke to the senior priest, and um, the abuse stopped after that. So, What is it that actually stops a young person from speaking out? You know, you mentioned it wasn't until 20, 2012 that yep. you actually sought, um, you know, um, you know, legal process against the church because of that. What is it that, that, that stops a young person from speaking out, you know, much earlier than that? Yeah, going back to 1978, um, it was a very different time, very different culture. Um, to speak out and, as it were, out yourself as the victim of uh, homosexual, effectively sexual assault, um, probably would have been, well, certainly in my mind at the time, was something that I just couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't bring myself to talk to my parents about it. Um, and certainly going to the police and making a complaint really wasn't an option that existed in anyone's mind back in 1978, to be quite frank. Um, so it was very difficult to talk about these sorts of things um, back at that time. And I think one of the great things that's happened since then is kids are much more aware of their rights and what their options are. Um, so we do live in a different culture now and not so easy for um, child sex abusers to get away with it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as a as a young person, as a teenager, um, finishing off your school there, yep. um, how did it affect your studies? You've you've had this this um, has happened over a period of you know quite some months. Um, what was the personal cost to you at that time? Well, one of my responses, one way of coping with what was happening and the pressure, um, you know, and also all the other emotions I was feeling, one way of coping with it was actually to double down on my study. Um, and I ended up doing quite well um, academically at the school. Uh, but on the other hand, it had a very serious effect upon my personality. Um, you know, and I started behaving in ways that um, were not ideal. For example, I started um, drinking a lot of alcohol on the weekends. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd suffer outbursts of emotional distress um, I went from being a fairly outward-going, extroverted young boy into be, uh, becoming quite introverted. Um, uh, you know, I felt a lot of shame um, and uh, you know, lost a lot of self-esteem. But certainly in terms of my academic studies, uh, one way of coping with it was to double down to make sure um, you know, that I didn't lose the opportunity of getting a good education and um, thankfully, I was able to hold that part of it together. Yeah, fantastic. And, and of course, you were then able to go on and become a uh, incredibly um, successful barrister down in Sydney, um, you know, which led to a, uh, you know, a great career down there for some time. Now, there's this bizarre twist to this story where yep. you, I, as I understand it, you marry your, ch- your, your, your high school sweetheart, is that right? Yep. And yep. she is the niece of the uh, priest who abused you. Have I got that story yeah, so, correct? 
Yeah, that, that's that's correct. She's the niece. Uh, well, Father Brennan um, was my wife's um, second uncle, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. So there was a direct family connection. I wasn't aware of the family connection until after I'd fallen very much in love um, with uh, Catherine Bamback, is her name. Um, and we got married. We moved away to Sydney after high school, and I thought I could leave it all behind. Um, but, you know, time would come around where I'd find myself uh, at a family gathering and uh, my abuser would be there. Um, and then as years went on, um, uh, Catherine was uh, given a job in the local school system, in the Catholic school system, uh, and the priest who abused me used that as a basis for um, requiring that I never talk about what had happened. So, in effect, he used it as leverage. I, I wouldn't call it blackmail, but he, he certainly used it as leverage over me for many, many years. How did he, how did he actually do that? Did he like sit down, and have a conversation, and you know that kind of thing? Or yep, I'd be summoned to presbyteries um, and be told. Um, normally, I'd be asked to join uh, the other priest, Father Helfrich, for lunch, and Father Brendan would turn up. Uh, and I'd be told in no uncertain terms if, uh, you know, unless you keep quiet about what happened, um, that your wife's job, or former wife by that stage actually, um, that her job could be in question. And we had a child, a daughter called Jessica. So um, the proposition was if you want your wife, um, you know, and, and your daughter's mum to continue to have a job, um, you know, just don't talk about what happened at high school. And this carried on for oh, 25, 30 years on and off. Um, so that kept the pressure on. And by 2006, um, huge police investigations were underway by that stage up in Newcastle. And you know, many priests have been prosecuted and sentenced to long terms of imprisonment. But in 2006, the police task force phoned me uh, in my chambers. I was working as a barrister here in Sydney, and that precipitated a nervous breakdown. Um, you know, and within a couple of years, I'd lost my job, um, wasn't able to work. Um, and it was at that point that what's called the adult effects of child sexual abuse really kicked in and did a lot of damage to me. Um, you know, I have a formal diagnosis of complex post-traumatic stress disorder, um, which I deal with. I things I have to do every day to keep on top of that. Um, but quite remarkably, after the apology letter was published in the Newcastle Herald yesterday, um, the police officer who called me in 2006 I got in contact with the Newcastle Herald and they put the officer onto me so I had an opportunity to speak to that detective for the first time in 11 years. So um, it was very, very nice to be able to speak to the officer um, and to thank her and to her colleagues for all the work that they've done up in the Maitland Newcastle area, getting on top of this and quite frankly putting these people in jail, which is exactly where they belong. Yeah, absolutely. And they have done a fantastic job and we need to congratulate them for the job that they absolutely. have done and and, uh, and and are continuing to do. These are certainly people that we do not want in the in the community um, in, in any way, shape or form. Um, absolutely not, Lyle. And, and also for the sake of the, the health and the you know, the future success of the religious institutions themselves. I mean, yeah, that's the right. Church, um, you know, it, it, it deserves and, and, and should welcome the efforts of the police to weed these people out and get rid of them mm-hmm. um, because obviously it does the church no good and, you know, the church has had a lot of scorn quite rightly heaped upon it um, and the sooner that uh, they get on top of this problem and can get on with the other great works that churches do, um, all the better.
Yeah, and from your research, um, you know, obviously in putting the book together and so forth, yeah. has the Catholic Church always been open to police scrutiny on these matters? Oh, absolutely not. There's, you know, there's, there's two aspects to this. Firstly, there's the abuse itself, which has occurred within the Catholic Church at alarmingly high rates, um, and that's tragedy enough. But what's the real problem for the church is the cover-up that's been going on for decades, and that implicates the entire institution. So it's not just the criminals inside the church, but it's also um, you know, church leaders, senior churchmen, who themselves have not been involved in this criminal behaviour, but um, are morally culpable because of all the work that they've done to cover up and to keep it away from the view of the police and indeed the community. And that's an issue that the church continues to struggle with across the globe. Um, you know, it's causing you know massive problems within the church as we talk about it. Um, there's a lot of pressure on the Pope. Um, the Australian Conference of Priests, um, Australian Council of Priests, beg my pardon, um, you know, just last week um, came out and you know made the point that the church needs to look at its mandatory celibacy rule. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can tell you, Lyle, that everyone, every expert in child protection will tell you that that rule has an effect upon the overall culture of the institution and significantly elevates the risk of child sexual abuse occurring within the institution. Can you just um, comment very quickly on how that um, how celibacy affects the culture of the institution as far as you know, well, child protection? Yeah. So, you know, an ordained priest actually signs a document, a declaration upon ordination, uh, making the vow to uh, remain celibate. The problem is that half the priests, half the clergy, at some point in their career break that vow. Um, Many of them um, pretty much ignore it, Um, and this is well known. So it's about 50% of them. On the one hand, on the other hand, that's a sacking offence. The current Pope has made that point very clear. If you can't maintain your vow, then um, you have to leave the ministry. So the problem is, with so so many of the clergy in breach of the vow, it leaves them open to blackmail. But it also means that the church is fundamentally corrupt because the celibacy rule is fundamental to discipline and how you know power and discipline is exercised within the church. So many of them break it. It gives rise to this culture of hypocrisy, to be quite frank, but also cover-up, secrecy, and many of the clergy leading double lives and again, all around issues of illicit sexuality. Now, most of this sexual behaviour that I'm referring to is between consenting adults. Um, It's priests um, or bishops maintaining a mistress or a girlfriend, which is a lot more common than people think, Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, um, same-sex relationships. So, for example, at my school, I'm completely convinced that the senior priest, Father Hofferty, and the principal who abused me, um, Father Brennan, um, both are now deceased, but I'm, I'm completely convinced that they were lifetime lovers, that they were in a relationship. There's a lot of people have confirmed that. Um, and so that left them in the position of you know, other pedophiles being active in the school. Um, what can they really do about it? Um, because they themselves um, were in breach of these basic rules. Um, and as I say, if you generalise that across the entire church, it creates that culture. Um, which then leaves it open as a, uh, I hate to say it, but um, very fertile ground for um, corrupt and indeed illegal sexual behaviour to occur. The Royal Commission found exactly what I've just said to you to be the case. 
Um, and I made a submission to the Royal Commission along those lines. But let me be really clear, celibacy itself doesn't cause pedophilia. What causes pedophilia is the presence of pedophiles who act on that perverted sexual desire. But it's the corruption of the culture, which means the leadership in the church is weak around questions of illicit sexuality. That's where the problem lies. Um, and all the metropolitan archbishops in the testimony to the Royal Commission agreed that it significantly elevates the risk. Um, and I think once you get to that point, and you realise that the global universal Catholic Church has 1.2 billion people associated uh, with it, um, so 300 million of those are going to be under the age of 14. If you can significantly reduce the risk of sexual abuse um, for you know the, the young people in the church, you're looking at protecting millions of people every generation um, from the scourge of child sexual abuse. Um, and, and so I think it just has to be acted upon. Now the, um, the the Roman Catholic Church, you, you, you've called for um, you know obviously do a tremendous amount of education here in Australia, and you've called yeah. for a a cut to government funding until they get this issue sorted out. That's a a, a pretty radical call. Um, is this something it that is, would... it is it is a very radical call? Look, the politics of it are impossible. It's not going to happen. Um, they run a fifth of the Australian school system. Um, I, I suppose, in a sense, I was just trying to get their attention by putting that proposition. It, it's not going to happen. Um, but the fact is, they do run a fifth of the entire Australian school system. So, 750,000 plus um, school children uh, are in their care each and every day of, of the school year. Um, and I have a bit of ex- experience of um, being involved in the management of a private high school. Um, and it's very, very heavy, heavily regulated these days. Um, I'm reasonably content that the Catholic Church has taken the steps that are necessary to make their schools as safe as they can be. Um, so even though I made that point, um, I made that call in the submission I put to the Royal Commission, um, on, on further reflection, um, I think the Church needs to be congratulated um, and we need to recognise that they have made a, you know, big efforts, big steps to make their schools a lot safer. So, um, you know, uh, I would probably uh, leave it at that at mm. this stage. Yeah. Um, but it's something that, you know, requires constant vigilance. Um, and so uh, let's see how they perform in the future. James, thank you so much for joining us here on the show today. Um, you've highlighted some Please really important lot. issues. This is a, um, you know, something that doesn't just affect the Roman Catholic Church. Of course, it affects all Christian churches and religious institutions across the board, um, including you know our church and every other church that is out there. Unfortunately, when bad things happen, we all get branded with the same brush. And uh, James, I'm just glad that you had the courage to come out to write a book to highlight this and to you know, to work towards making our institutions uh, safer for uh, safer for our children. Thank you for joining us today. That's what it's all about. Thanks very much, Lyle. That was James Miller, author of the book The Priests, uh, published in 2016. That is by Finch Publishing, and uh, you can easily find that available um, with a simple Google search. You're listening to Faith FM. We're moving on with the show right now, and we'll be back right after this with Encounter with God. Father, along here, you know all 
understand why Oh Lord Oh Cheer up my brother Live in the sun Live in the sunshine From Pompeii, Jerusalem, the Dead Sea and Egypt, Amazing Discoveries is coming to Bullaroo. Take a trip through history to uncover what happened in the past, how it affects the present and what it can tell us about the future. Through archaeology and the Bible, join us on this journey of amazing discoveries. Beginning 6.30pm, September 28 at the Bullaroo Adventist Church, this free community series is one you will not want to miss. See Faith FM's Facebook for more information or call Grego on 0435 077 752. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. The desire to serve others is indeed a quality we all admire. However, only when we enjoy serving others does our service take on a radiant goodness which gives a contagious glow. Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray my for others, others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be, help me to live for others, that I may live. 
And when my work on earth is done, and my new work in heaven's begun, may I forget the crown I've won, while thinking still of others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others. That